Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome back to the House of Pod. I'm Kave. I'm Lizzie. And we are a medical podcast. We try to pull the curtain back on the world of medicine and answer your questions and interview great guests. And we do it in a relatively irreverent but respectable manner. Um, I'm joined. That's pretty as good. Do you like that? I Maybe think sure. irreverent means like disrespectful sort of. So I yeah, like that it's irreverent. It's like a great oxymoron. It's good. I like it. I, irreverent I kind of, and respectful. I kind of negated myself with that, but um, it's it nice to see you again. Um, I Can I vent for a little bit? We'll see. Yeah, this could be cut if uh, it's too weird. But <laughs> the truth of it is, I, I'm, really, I'm really bothered every now and then um, by the state of uh, our country and in regards to COVID in particular. I mean, there's so many things to be upset about right now, but I'm really talking about um, COVID. And uh, we've been told specifically by people close to us that we shouldn't be political about it. And, and every now and then I think that's right. But every now and then I get so enraged about where we are and why we're here and how it could have been avoided. I mean, I know that COVID would have happened here no matter what, but I honestly believe that it could have been handled so much better. There are certain people who have more power than others who are more responsible than others. Mm -hmm. And there's been a lack of national leadership. And I I think it's really put us in a bad place. I'm sorry. I want, I want, let me, can I, this is (laughs) the crux. You're ranting to the choir, but yeah, I I have a couple of things to say. I want, I want you to add on to this, but yeah, when it when it really when it really gets me because I'm normally I can deal with it, but when it really gets me is it when when my loved ones are are out there on the front lines like my wife my close friends who are out there working with COVID patients every day and those numbers have gone back up back to where they were in April and like they're dealing with you know all the this 
I want to call it a surge, but I guess it doesn't really make sense because the first one never ended. So I don't think this is a second wave. I think there's just one massive wave mm-hmm. with different ripples in it. And when I see them have to deal with it, when I see what they're going through, when I think about the fact that they could get sick from this, um, when it didn't need to be like this, I have a really hard time, you know, trying to play nice about it and to be diplomatic about it. And I get really fucking pissed when I get told that I shouldn't take it so seriously or that I shouldn't take it personally. Cause fuck that it's personal. These are my friends, my loved ones that are out yeah. there on the front lines doing this stuff. And it drives yeah. me nuts. You don't need to apologize or um, preface the vent. I think that you are not alone. I would hope at this point, many people feel the same. And up until, and you say you don't want to be political about it or politicize it, up until a week or two ago, wearing a mask became a political statement. So it's nothing that you're doing. I think I heard that today, someone say that today. Wearing a mask showed what side you're on politically, which is an insane concept. Insane. You know, there's certain things like, and I know this is contentious, but like abortion, birth control, COVID, these aren't political matters. I don't yeah. understand why the government, other than Dr. Fauci working in public health, you know, why the government has so much of a role in our health when they are not experts. President Trump, you know, like him or not, he is not a health expert. The fact that he says things like, you know, in my opinion, hydroxychloroquine, the shit, did I say that wrong? How do you say it? Well, you Chloroquine. said it as well as he says it. <laughs> Hydroxychloroquine remember. is the name, but Sorry. he doesn't say it that right. way. Hydroxychloroquine, in my opinion, helps early on, in my opinion. And I'm like, what, is, what does that even mean? I don't, yeah. you know, it's right, just right. that there should be no platform for that kind of nonsense, whether or not you vote for him. If you love him, you should understand, you should agree with that. Like, vote for him. That's fine. I don't care, slash, I really do care. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't we can still be friends slash we cannot be friends um but i just don't understand why anyone would take his word as medical or scientific opinion this is that doesn't make sense if you make that I, argument that it, he it says is, something is scientific then you lose all credibility you know there's so many things to pick apart uh regarding yeah. that but just one quick thing why the Republican Party had decided to go all in on hydroxychloroquine, I have no idea. Like every medical paper that comes out, the medical consensus in this country repeatedly is that it's not going to be used. We shouldn't use it for this. And yet it's somehow every couple of weeks, something new comes out about why, why are we withholding this from the American people? What are the doctors doing? To, and it's in fucking sane. Yeah. Well, the first couple of months, I mean, obviously it's been around since December or before, but in America in February, March and into April, we were using it for everyone because we didn't know any better. Now let's just learn from yeah. our mistakes. At Bellevue, when I, when I volunteer there, every single person got it, you know, or very right. early on. Right. And that was because we didn't know it didn't work. Right. And that, but that's how science works. We do the right. best with what we can. We do right. the studies. We use each study to get us further to the point we need to be. And I'll tell you, by the time this comes out, who knows, maybe they'll say universally, everyone needs to wear eye protection. And then there's right. going to be people going, oh, eye protection. Why? Now they're saying eye protection. First, they didn't say masks and they said masks. And now they're saying eye protection. They didn't say eye protection. Ooh, who am I supposed to believe? Ooh. That's how science works. 
you yeah. fucking idiots. Right. It's this is how trial. it works. You right. you do the work. If you if you find new evidence, if you do the science and it changes what you think, you change the recommendations. That's right. how it works. You change your recommendations based on the evidence that's given to you, which is the opposite of like how these people are reacting, which is just on some weird faith, which drives right. me friggin' crazy. Right. You know, and it's interesting because we can talk about, um, go, go to a segment that we haven't done in a long time, how to be a better patient. Yeah. But one thing that always triggered me to this day, when I tell patients, we have to try, do some things by trial and error. Yeah. And they're like, well, I'm not your guinea pig. And, you know, that's the kind of behavior people are um, using right now. Or, yeah. you know, I'm, I don't want to be a guinea pig. Tell me the truth now as if there's a withhold someone's withholding right. information because nobody's doing that right. but there's some things to i'll tell patients like there's no cure for what you have like for example irritable bowel you have really bad bloating it's probably certain foods we don't have a cure so let's do some trial and error and honestly most patients are really patient and kind and open-minded but one in every hundred will be like you know very unwilling to be my quote unquote guinea pig as if right. i want that guinea right. pigs are disgusting yeah really, they, they eat shit everywhere in parts of the world gross yeah um, you feel better or do you feel like shit because you I used feel, the f-bomb like three times i know i know i almost apologize for it but i'm not no. going to because no I no like fucking people. don't thank you um i will say uh regards to being a better patient you know the reason we haven't done that bit in a while is because <laughs> we have like the same advice every time which is wear a mask wear that's a mask, how you right? can be a better doctor a better patient a better everyone yeah. And the guidelines for us are changing too. I mean, we were wearing masks before and now we are supposed to wear eye protection a hundred percent of the time, yeah. you know? So we are also subject to the same, you know, moving targets that p the population and our patients. So, you know, I, I just, we have, we have some empathy for you. We're in the same position as everyone else, right. you know? All right. Okay. So I feel a little bit better. Let's move on to our episode. We have an interesting one today. This is one that we have talked about doing for a long time and we finally that, got around that to based it. on your rant, you might need you might need a little you <laughs> a taste of your own medicine. We are going to talk about kratom. You've heard it called kratom. I've been told the pronunciation of it is kratom because it's a Thai word. The oh, basics of it. I thought it. you were teasing. No, I, when I, you said kratom. <laughs> well, I'm sure that's actually not how like they actually say it in Thailand. It's probably like kratom or something like that. Right, like right. I can't do but right. like it, that's closer to how it's supposed to be. I'm not going to be judging anyone on this conversation, how okay. they use it, but it's basically, it's a plant that's been used in Southeast Asia for hundreds of years, either chewed up or drank in a tea or ground up. And it's, and now I, you know, the last, I don't know how long it's been around this one thing we're going to figure out, but now it's sort of become uh, much more popular in the United States. And we're going to discuss the risks, the benefits, what we know about it, what we don't know about it. Um, and uh, we have Dr. Ryan Marino coming in to talk to us in a little bit. He's a toxicologist, great guy. And he's going to hopefully help um, shine a little light on some of the stuff. So stay tuned. Make sure to follow us at Twitter at The House of Pod. Follow us on Facebook. And if you have any questions you'd like to email us, find us at hopquestions at gmail.com. Make sure to tell all your friends about us. That helps. And stay tuned. And welcome back. Today, we have 
returning champ, Dr. Ryan Marino. He is an emergency room physician. He is a toxicologist at University Hospitals in Cleveland, and he's an assistant professor at Case Western University. Uh, man, thank you so much for joining us. We have a issue that we need your help tackling today. Thanks for having me. I'm happy to be back. I missed you love- guys. <laughs> missed you too, man. We missed you. Um, everyone will remember Dr. Ryan Marino from our fentanyl episode. Everyone loved your story about um, your emergency room experience where a patient kind of said, I was doing chin-ups you know, over a shampoo bottle, and that's how that shampoo bottle got up my butt. That was like a famous, a famous line that gets uh, quoted back to us. So thanks so much for coming back. We're very excited to have you, um, <laughs> especially during COVID when people are home, maybe experimenting with things that they've never experimented with before. Can you tell us a little bit about Kratom, or as Kave says, Kratom? Kratom, I think is how it's pronounced. Yeah, so I'm actually not entirely sure of the correct way to pronounce it because this is a uh, Southeast Asian plant, but Kratom, 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 um, (laughs) however you say it, it is a, uh, a plant that grows naturally in Southeast Asia, has been used, I mean, for centuries kind of in Southeast Asian cultures. Uh, but more recently has become popular in the United States and kind of the Western world as a uh, like over-the-counter um, or a supplement, um, unregulated kind of product. Um, and so, I mean, I think the main reasons people use it is it's kind of a considered a nootropic. And I want to put a very heavy quotation marks around that word because that's a word that means absolutely nothing at all. Um, <laughs> nootropics are something that's supposed to help you kind of with like your thinking, um, but they include things that have opposite effects of each other um, and kind of include and literally anything at all. So that, that category or term is, is totally worthless to me. Mm-hmm. I was going to say, I haven't heard of that. So it's, your, it's not a medical term. No, but it's a term that they use to describe it. I mean, like, yeah, like go- this is a very popular thing kind of in, I mean, especially the internet. If you go on Reddit, there's a, a subreddit for nootropics, but um, people believe that this is something that helps with kind of concentration, focus, whatever adjectives you want to use for those things. Um, and so, I mean, nootropics can include things from stimulants. I mean, like caffeine and Adderall to uh, kind of really, really big downers like baclofen and kind of the legal version of baclofen. Um, which is Fenibut. But Kratom is also popular in people for like pain and opioid withdrawal, opioid detox. Um, And so I think that's probably the the bigger use in the United States. Before we talk about, you know, the uses and why people do it, I'm trying to keep an open mind about it. The, The whole point of this episode is really for Lizzie and I to learn a little bit more about it. We're trying to stay open minded about it. I will say though, that when you look it up online and you look at like the people and there's you know thousands of people posting about how it helped them and how great it is and and I'm trying to stay open-minded despite the fact that the people who are really promoting it are people like Joe Rogan and and the kind of people that Lizzie and I usually make fun of like I'm trying to stay open-minded about the subject despite that and I've heard people talking about this plant and they talk about how there's all these different alkaloids like 40 plus different alkaloids or compounds in it that can do everything from like boosting your metabolism increasing like your sex drive decreasing anxiety decreasing diabetes etc you name it you hear it 
there's all these different things about it. Can you tell us a little bit about the basics of the plant and what we know it does? So yeah, the plant itself, I mean, has a lot of different compounds in it um, and they are not well studied or well understood despite the fact that this has been used for a long time kind of in Southeast Asia. And a lot of the good evidence or data, I guess, comes from kind of Southeast Asia where this is used um, more commonly and medicinally because in the United States, this is not considered medicine. Um, so research uh, is limited from that regard. But the main compound that is the active ingredient, I would say, is called metragenine. Um, and that is an alkaloid, which basically just means it's a comes from a plant. Um, but it, it has actions on different receptors. And I think the main ones that are important to note are that it acts on um, opioid receptors in humans and also serotonin receptors. So that raises the question that people will always ask about this. Is it an opioid or is it opioid-like? So I think by definition for me, anything that acts on opioid receptors is an opioid. So I would call it an opioid. But um, to get to probably what I think the real question here is, um, as far as like opioids go, this is not necessarily something that people are overdosing on. They're not like stopping breathing it seems like metragenine is not something that has full agonist effects at the like mu opioid receptor. Um, and that's not to say that kind of other metabolites uh, and other compounds in the plant don't cause problems, but um, metragenine itself doesn't seem to be like fentanyl or heroin where you have to worry about taking one pill and you go to bed and you never wake up. Yeah. Well, I've, I've read um, that those kind of situations where people you know, might get respiratory depression or might present, you know, as death, you know, like not waking up, for example, it's often in the context of using it, but with, with other substances. So do you ever see, I guess, in the emergency room or from the things you've read about it, people kind of having isolated kratom overdose in any capacity? I understand no one's going to take it and die, but like, what does an overdose look like? And is that, you know, I, I have not met many patients who who use this um, recreationally. So you clearly would have more experience with that in the emergency room. Yeah, so unfortunately I have seen people who have had Kratom overdoses and the majority of them have been totally unintentional. Um, and to preface that, the majority of them too are because this is an adulterated product. And because it's not considered a medicine, it's um, kind of falls under the like limitation imposed on supplements where you can basically put whatever you want over the counter if you don't claim any medicinal effect. Um, these, these products don't get regulated and they don't all get tested. And so what you're getting might not contain what you think it is. Um, and so the people I've seen who have had problems from Kratom have had problems because the product was not like just pure uh, metrogenous speciosa plant. Um, and the main adulterant that's used in the United States or that causes problems, at least, is 7-hydroxymetragenine, uh, which is one of the kind of metabolites that you can get from this um, and has more active kind of both opioid and serotonergic effects. And it seems like this, this um, molecule itself can cause kind of things like the respiratory depression that we see, but also more concerning 
concerning at least like in terms of treatment potential, um, things like seizures um, and people having kind of being amped up despite being sedated uh, from kind of what you would expect to be an opioid. Mm, that's right. Cause it is an interesting, it, it is the plant itself is in the family of the coffee plant. Right. And what I've read is that at low doses, like under five grams, it actually has a stimulant effect. And then once you get to like five to 15 grams of it, then it has the opioid effect. I can imagine you could see a lot of different presentations of it with that. Um, and I know that there's been reports of, of death with it in Europe, but it seems like those are linked to, um, just like you said, when they were compounded with something else like synthetic opioids that were probably more likely the culprit. Here in the U.S., has there been reports of just uh, death from uh, Kratom itself and not from its use with something else or its combination with something else? Yeah, and I think... It was in um, 2018, it might've been 2019, but the FDA released a warning because I think like 40, 40 some people had died in association with Kratom. Kratom. Um, and there was also, I mean, a separate concern that some of these products had been contaminated with salmonella and people were getting salmonella infections from them. But there were also deaths just from the Kratom itself. And this was, largely due to the uh, adulteration where someone in in kind of the manufacturing distribution process had added in 7-hydroxymetragenine which is the kind of most potent metabolite here or most potent alkaloid um, that gives people a, a noticeable effect. I don't want to say that this is necessarily desirable because I don't think people desire to have overdoses or die. Um, but it, se it seemed like the products that were causing the problems all had been adulterated. Um, and so it wasn't just the plant itself. It was that something had been added in. And because this is considered a part of the plant, this kind of goes through those FDA standards on supplements where that's something that I guess is okay legally, um, even though it causes serious problems. Where, where are people, or do you know, I'm not sure, where people are getting it from? Um, are they getting it from their local drug dealer on the corner? Are they getting it like on the internet, in the mail? Can you go to like maybe a dispensary and get it? You know, um, a lot of the fentanyl that was, is pervasive in the United States. Um, I read an article, I think a year or two ago that a lot of people are actually just ordering it online. I think perhaps from China, like it just wasn't that hard. And I would like to think that things are cracked down a little bit, but do you know the main um, source where people are getting their, I'm going to, I'm going to stick with the Kratom, the Kratom pronunciation. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, the, do, the main source was kind of just like over the counter. This was primarily at like head shops, gas stations, places where you'd buy like CBD. Um, I mean, marijuana dispensaries, I'm sure I live, have lived in states that do not have legal cannabis. So I wouldn't know about that, mm -hmm. but it would usually be kind of these non-traditional places to buy kind of medicinal products um, like a liquor store or a head shop or a gas station. Um, but I think in the past two years, this the FDA has been trying to restrict Kratom um, kind of across the board. So I, I'm, I'm actually not sure where it's available now. I, ha I haven't seen it in a while. Overall, what's your sense of it? Is this something that 
you feel is safe in some doses? Do you feel that there's a role for it? I mean, people do talk about it in terms of um, being useful for everything from post-traumatic stress disorder. We actually have a, a friend who's, we have a couple of friends who take, take Kretom, one of which they take for PTSD, one they take for anxiety, and one I know just takes it for fun. I know people that are taking it for these reasons. Do you think there's a role for it in these cases? So, I mean, the scientific evidence is kind of out on this, but that doesn't really mean anything in itself. Um, I don't think it's been studied well, and I think the current literature is mostly, in, at least in like the United States and Western world, is mostly based on cases of adulterated kratom, kratom. Um, so it's it's kind of worthless from that regard. I think the interesting things are kind of the way it affects different receptors. Um, and I personally have also heard from patients, from people I know, that this has helped them with various things. Um, and I think based on what we know about how it acts, it definitely has kind of a useful potential. So I think the FDA in banning it, which I am pretty sure that that's what happened, um, or at least that was what they were attempting to do, um, was kind of a premature move because this is an unstudied substance. And I mean, if, if they wanted to make it a medicine so that it wasn't available over the counter, that, that might have been worthwhile. Um, or if they wanted to better regulate it so that adulterated products weren't getting out to American citizens, that also would have been worthwhile. And instead, we had kind of the reaction where things are just banned. Um, and I mean, I, I don't want to get off on like a weird tangent here, but that's how we end up with all these other things like psilocybin, THC, uh, mescaline. I mean, these are substances that don't cause like end organ toxicity. Um, and I'm, I'm not advocating for these substances, but they're not like harmful to the human body per se. Uh, and for whatever reason, they're all schedule one. And things like cocaine, methamphetamine, um, those things are are not Schedule One. Yeah, we oh, definitely want to. Sorry, we definitely want to get someone on the show to talk about microdosing with like LSD or psilocybin because that's there is some a lot of interest in doing um, using low dose of certain um, things that we consider toxic and illegal and dangerous, um, but that we think can actually help. Like Kaveh said, with PTSD, with depression, anxiety chronic pain disorders, there is a potential for using it in a controlled way that, that probably has a lot of um, promise to it, that we're really limiting ourselves. You know, Yes, I, definitely. And I think by the, these laws, we're limiting them even more. Yeah. And I, I mean, I don't advocate for like people breaking the law, but I think some of these laws are very ill-informed. Yeah. It, I'm really torn about this subject because on one hand, you know, uh, there is a part of me that's worried because you can get withdrawal from it from what I've seen is people can have withdrawal from it. It does seem to have uh, action at the, the same places where opioids work. So just like you said, kind of define it as an opioid myself too. And uh, part, there's a part of me that worries, are we just trading one opioid issue for another opioid issue? But then on the other hand, you do see these testimonials from people all, all over the place that talk about how useful it has been for them. And the evidence certainly doesn't seem to be overwhelmingly, at least in my perspective, in favor of its danger. Um, so I, I, am, I would love to see it studied more. I, I'm just hesitant when I hear this argument, which is always the argument that people make when they're like, but it's natural. It's natural. So it's great. Mm -hmm. so I mean, yeah, hemlock is natural. 
still, it doesn't necessarily mean it's great. So I'm, I'm always a little bit like, I'm, I'm on the fence about it. And I'm, I'm, looking for, I'm looking for any information that could push me either way. And, and I would love to see someone study it, but I don't know if there are any studies going on about it. Well, it's something like Ryan said also is that some of these on our prior show, we talked about fentanyl, some of these medications and I should say um, schedule one illegal drugs are um, become like the boogeyman, right? Would you agree, Ryan? Like, you know, LSD yeah. and that concept of like a bad trip. I, I think I, I read a book called A Really Good Day um, and it's all about microdosing LSD. And the whole thing is because one young woman, I think, committed suicide and she happened to be the daughter of a senator. So, and she was taking LSD and we don't even know if it was because LSD that she committed suicide, but it got this rap, this bad rap of a bad trip that will lead to suicide. And that became the crusade of the time. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think the banning this, making a schedule one means this will never be studied easily or in any reasonable time frame. Um, and so, I mean, that's the biggest problem. The problems we were seeing were because this product was being adulterated in the United States. Um, and so, I mean, there are, there are active compounds that we saw causing adverse effects, but like the, the plant itself has interesting compounds that deserve more kind of research. Um, and to make it schedule one from a supplement is just a little bizarre because that means that medical study is gonna be essentially impossible. You're gonna to have to go through a million hoops and the only one who can study this is the federal government. Um, and I mean, that's what we've seen with cannabis for the past like 100 years or so. Uh, and yeah, I, I don't think that Kratom, Kratom itself is necessarily like a, a harmful plant. I think it probably has some useful properties it probably has maybe some addiction potential, some potential for withdrawal. Um, and I mean, like as, as a toxicologist, I talk to people about receptors and pharmacology and physiology all day long until they no longer want to talk to me anymore. Um, and so, I mean, I think any compound can kind of do these similar things. But what we see with Kratom, I mean, even from the opioid portion, is it doesn't seem like it causes kind of these opioid overdoses like we have uh, epidemic of in this country where people are dying because they're buying unsafe opioids off the street and overdosing on fentanyl. I mean, if, if Kratom was available in a regulated fashion, maybe less people would be overdosing um, because we know that probably like 60% of people who use opioids non-medically are using them to treat pain. Um, and so if, if some alternative was available that didn't cause an, a potential for overdose, that would be great to me. Uh, and so that's all speculation on my part. But again, this is something that now our federal government has blocked from studying or from being possible. Right. We need a pain medicine that has no or little overdose possibility and risk, and also ones that don't create the euphoria. <laughs> I mean, that would also really be helpful because there would be less potential for addiction and overdose, you know? And and that's where the science is a bit um, lacking right now. Let, let me ask you both. Would you guys try it? Kratom? Yeah. You got some pure stuff? You got that good shit? Uh, you can get it. It's not that hard to get. Like, just like Ryan said, you can get it at head shops. My friends have some. Like, I, could, I could obtain it. Would, you, would right. you try it? What do you think? I wouldn't want to try it 
unless I could like see the plant uh, <laughs> harvest. <laughs> just because yeah. I've seen so many patients and like heard so many stories about this adulteration that goes on to make it like more potent, which may be what people had wanted, but as someone who's like naive to opioids, um, I mean, I I would try it, but I I would try it from the plant itself. What yeah. do you guys think is um, more toxic or addictive, like Adderall, Ritalin, or coffee, or like kratom? You know, they're all kind of theoretically being used right. for the same thing. You know, my part of my fear of trying it is that I do believe that everybody has that one thing that you do and will will fuck you up and you will get addicted to it. You just, if you have not become an addict in your life, it's just because you haven't found that one thing yet. Like you, I, it's I like a soulmate, that. but for drugs. Yeah, exactly. So like there, that's my like fear. I mean, cause for, you mentioned coffee and that's it for me. I love my coffee. I love my morning mm-hmm. coffee. It's my, yeah, my I mean, my based point. on the numbers, coffee is the most addictive substance on the planet. Oh man, yeah. I've, I've had a hard time getting people to, not that I really recommend it, but in cases where patients have tried to quit coffee, I feel like they've had a harder time doing that than cigarettes. So mm-hmm. it's, it's a real challenge to do that. So I, I mean, that's my real hesitation to doing it. And, and, and I think, you know, I, I have a lot of sympathy for, for this plant because I love coffee and coffee is another plant mm-hmm. of the same sort of family. So I'm, that's, what, again, why I'm trying to keep an open mind about it. Yeah. So, so Ryan, one, if you one interesting point here, though, while we're talking about kratom and how the FDA like waged this war on kratom to make it illegal, um, is it's interesting to talk about phenibut, which is a another quote unquote nootropic, um, but is kind of on the opposite end of the spectrum and is a GABA B agonist, which no one ever thinks about the GABA B receptors. And I, I won't get into like a weird pharmacology discussion, but it's basically like baclofen. And I mean, you can buy it on Amazon. It's legal in the United States. Um, it, it's kind of a crazy compound that causes horrible physiologic dependence, not, not to mention addiction, but I mean, the, the withdrawal is life-threatening. Um, and so, I mean, something like that is widely available and like touted on kind of forums on the internet and the FDA has no concerns about that. But uh, this other thing is a problem just because it has kind of implications in people who use opioids. And I think the, the big deal here was that they wanted to kind of show that they were acting on this opioid epidemic. Um, and what, what they did was just crack down on people who were using this kind of more innocently than made out. Well, yeah, you know, if I remember correctly, phenobut came from Russia, right? That's like a, this anti-anxiety yes. medication from Russia. So, yeah, I've uh, I, I ever since 2016, I've developed a healthy distrust of products coming out of Russia. Um, so, what you I, mean I, the, the Cold War? Just no, kidding. actually, I gave I I actually was able to get over the Cold War. <laughs> it was really 2016 and Russian interference now in terms of COVID information. I read that like half of the information online, but posts about um, the COVID or coronavirus related are all Russian bots. I mean, <laughs> probably not true, but there's probably like a, a disturbing number Some of truth, it comes yeah. from that. Yeah. Um, well, that's that's interesting. So just one last question for you. So for ER doctors or doctors who are, you know, seeing maybe um, people using too much of it, either accidentally or not, 
using doses that are too high, what, what doses are considered dangerous and how do you recommend people treat it? So the problem with naming a dose is that there's no accept, accepted dose. So, uh, and especially with the products people are getting, there's a, a very good chance that they've been adulterated. So you don't even know what dose they're taking. Um, so I would say, unless you can verify that this is a, a pure plant, that there's no kind of middleman in the situation, um, there probably is no necessarily safe dose. Um, if people want to use this, which again, I don't necessarily want to advocate for, but if they want to use it safely, um, make sure that you use kind of small amounts and make sure you're getting it from the same person, same supplier to make sure that you're not, you're not getting like a new adulterated supply. If it, if it has been adulterated, use small doses so that you would know. Um, and then kind of for any medical people, if you're treating someone with suspected kratom toxicity, um, I mean, I think the main thing that I've seen has actually been kind of this surprising, um, seizures and kind of increased uh, hemodynamic status with like tachycardia hypertension. So from a toxicologic perspective, I mean, anything that causes that kind of response, benzodiazepines are your best friend. They have a very pure mechanism of action um, and will kind of reduce that sympathomimetic overdrive. Um, also help with seizures, which I've seen a lot of seizures from Kratom overdose and just regular kratom use in toxicity. Um, so I guess those are my only recommendations. No, that's really useful. Thank you so much. All right. Well, uh, that's a good start to our experience with kratom. Maybe <laughs> I will at some point, uh, if I can find some unadulterated stuff, uh, we'll test it on Lizzie. And, and <laughs> I'm we'll not your a, guinea pig. We'll do a live. Nice callback. Um, we'll do a a little uh, we'll do a a little like live episode with her trying it and see how that goes. <laughs> That's what we're gonna do for our. We just figured out what we're gonna do for our hundredth episode. We're gonna watch me do Kratom. That's actually not a bad great. idea. That's actually yeah. wouldn't it be great if during like an epidemic where people are dying of opioids, the government made one legal that didn't kill people? Right. <laughs> right. Like you guys have earned this. You at least have this one thing. <laughs> yeah. That would That's, be helpful. Hey, hey, Ryan, thank you so much for coming on. You are our go-to guy for this sort of thing. We really appreciate it. Um, tell us where we can find you. Um, I am mostly on Twitter at Ryan Marino. And yeah, that's that's pretty much it. <laughs> if you haven't followed him, I really recommend it. There's not, there's not that many people who can combine being factually accurate and educational and entertaining all at the same time. So I highly recommend a, a follow. And um, Ryan, thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Yeah. Know, Does I he like her? I think he, I think he, no, I don't think so. <laughs> Um. This podcast is not a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Please consult a physician or other qualified healthcare provider for your specific healthcare needs or concerns. The opinions expressed on this podcast do not represent the opinions of our employees. 
Details in the podcast have been changed so that patient identification is not possible. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.